0: John chapter 15 this morning, John 15, last Sunday I introduced our theme for 2023 as abide we looked at the first several verses of this powerful chapter that deals with abiding in Christ and Jesus admonished his disciples and he told them that 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 He is the vine and that we, as His people, we are the branches. And that the only way, really, that we can glorify God the Father is by bearing fruit. And that can only be accomplished by abiding in Him. We really considered that to abide in Christ, this speaks of uh, seeking Him and seeking His strength. It's walking in dependence upon His Spirit and the leadership of His Spirit in our lives. But today I want to just kind of further develop that thought a little bit as we look a little further into John 15, because I think this, this concept of abiding in Christ is one that really it, it, it goes beyond uh, just a few passages of Scripture that, just, that use that wording, that phraseology to abide in Christ. This is actually a very consistent principle throughout the New Testament, and there are so many different aspects. Uh, ...of abiding in Christ, and I just want to take a little bit of time here at the beginning of the year... ...and consider some of these things that the Bible has to say about it. So, if you're in John 15 and you're able to, I'll invite you to stand one last time... ...as we read the scriptures together this morning. And for sake of context, I want to go ahead and begin in verse number 1 again... ...where Jesus says here, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman... If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Now look with me at verse 9 if you would. Jesus says, as the Father hath loved me, ...that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call ye not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you... ...that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated this morning. This concept, this idea of abiding in Christ, being in Christ, we understand that uh, when the Bible speaks of being in Christ, most of the time it is in reference to what, what we would call our salvation. The fact that when we... Uh, When we recognize that we are sinners and and that our only hope for salvation is to turn from that sin to Jesus and we place our faith and trust in him, at that moment we are what the Bible calls born again. We are placed in Christ. And I'm thankful that I am in Christ today. I am a child of God. Uh, My sins are forgiven. I am on my way to heaven, not because of any good works that I've done, but simply because of Jesus Christ and his shed blood for me, I am in Christ. And, and I will always be in Christ because I'm kept by the power of God. Uh, and, and, and I am, I am held, uh, sealed by the Spirit of God. And Jesus said that his sheep, uh, he gives unto them eternal life. And he said, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So I'm thankful today that I am kept, I am in Christ. But this idea of abiding in Christ... It, it really has to do, if we were to summarize it, we could say it like this. To abide in Christ is to live in such a way that is consistent with being in Christ. We've been studying in the book of Colossians. And, and one of the things that is stated in the book of Colossians is, As ye therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. And it has to do with our our fellowship of Christ, if you will. It has to do with, with our, our commitment to living and walking according to his will for us. Uh, we, we discussed last week how when we abide in Christ, the result of that is actually Christ's living through us, that the fruit that is produced out of our lives is not ours. It's not not that which we do to please God, but rather it's an issue of surrender and being yielded to him so that he can produce through us the fruit that he wants to produce. We've we've talked about the fact in times past that uh, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And yet we also have been told in Matthew 5, He said to us, ye are the light of the world. How is it that He is the light of the world, but we are the light of the world? Well, ultimately, because He is the light of the world and He is to shine through us. What does it say there in Matthew 5? He says that ye are the light of the the, the world, the city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. In other words, even the light that's shining through you, it doesn't testify of you, but of Him. Why? Because it is Him, not us. So this is the issue and the concept of abiding and what it means uh, to abide in Christ. But this morning as we look a little bit further into John 15 at some things that we didn't cover last week, I want to just bring out some aspects of abiding in Christ and that, that, that may be of importance to consider. Look at verse number 9. Jesus said here, as, as he's talking about abiding in Christ, he says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Now again, this is within the context of abiding in Christ. And what we learn from that is that abiding in Christ is really a matter of fellowship and relationship. Let me say that again. To abide in Christ is a matter of fellowship and relationship. In other words, if you are to abide in Christ, you must continue in his love. Now, lest anyone get the idea that what Jesus is saying here is to live in such a way that God will go on loving me. I want you to know that that is not at all what Jesus is saying when he says continue in my love. Well, how do I know that? Well, God's love did not begin. God's love for you and God's love for me didn't begin with our obedience, did it? Actually, just the opposite is true. Uh, Romans chapter 5 tells us that uh, what God commendeth his love toward us, that he, he actually proves his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that, that his love for us preceded our salvation. His love for us came before our obedience to him. And so he is not not suggesting by any means that the things that we do are going to cause God to love us anymore. But rather that we are to walk in his love. That we are to be in love with him and be continually reminded of his love. In Jude, in verse number 21, the book of Jude, it, it, it tells us, it makes this statement... It says that we are to keep ourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. How can I do that? Well, again, uh, it has to do with walking in an awareness of his love for me. You see, there are a lot of people in the world today that don't realize that God loves them. And as a result, they really don't have any love for God. I want you to know something today. It is absolutely true that God loves each and every one of you. God loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you so that you can be saved. God loves you. Now, here's what happens. When you walk daily in the awareness of God's love for you... That automatically, or it should automatically, cause you to love him in return. Because the Bible tells us we love him because he first loved us. Uh, Our our love for God, it, it wasn't initiated by us. It's reciprocal back to him because he initiated the relationship. And so we're to walk in the love of God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, when he was asked, what is the first and great commandment? that his response was not uh, to do good, to to live righteously. He didn't say the the greatest commandment is for you to uh, attend church and to tithe. Listen, those are commandments. Those are things that God wants from us. But what he said was the, the, the first and the greatest commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And then he said the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. A lot of people want to emphasize that, love your neighbor. But the truth is if you don't love God, you won't know how to love your neighbor. So Jesus said this is where it all begins. You you need to love God. Now the fact that that is commanded. Jesus said it's a commandment. The fact that it is a commandment tells us a couple of things. First of all, because it is commanded... That means that we actually have some control over it. We hear a lot today of people saying, well, I can't help who I love. I can't help what I love. Actually, you can. You do have some authority and some control over the things that you love and and, and the things that you invest yourself in. We, We are commanded to love God. By the way, husbands, you are commanded to love your wife. If you have a wife, God has told you, it is, this is your God-given responsibility and duty in your marriage, love your wife. Uh, if, if you are here, and I, again, just to counter maybe some of the things that we hear in society a little bit, you, maybe you're sitting there and you think, well, I'm married. And I remember when I fell in love with the woman who is now my wife. But you know, life has happened, and people change, and circumstances have changed, and we have just fallen out of love. Let me me tell you something, okay? Biblically speaking, it is not that you have fallen out of love, it is that you have neglected your God-given duty and responsibility to love your wife. In other words, we have some control. Over the things and the people that we love. And Jesus said, hey, what you need to strive for above everything else is to love God. Now the fact that 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 is commanded tells us that we do have some control over it. It also tells us that apparently it's a fairly common problem not to love God. Right? I mean, we have a natural tendency to not love God. We don't like to admit that and most people certainly in a society that is friendly to Christianity and that kind of we would say well we you know I don't have anything against God I'm not anti-god in fact most of us would gladly say we love God I love God but if we're really honest if we don't intentionally seek to know and love God our love for him begins to wane over time does it not You remember that church at Ephesus that Jesus addressed in Revelation 2? They had everything that looked right on the outside. I mean, they had good doctrine. They had some issues of separation from the world. They were distinct. Uh, They were busy, laboring, working, serving the Lord. They were doing all the right things. Except, he says, I have somewhat against thee, thou hast left thy first love. Your love for God has kind of waned over time. And even though all the externals are right, that love is going to cost you. The lack of love is going to cost you. You know, there are some things that the Lord said to that church at Ephesus in Revelation 2. Some praises that he gives for them. Some, you know, where he just kind of pats them on the back. Things that he didn't say to any of the other seven churches he addressed. And, and when you compare the church at Ephesus to the church at Laodicea. That, that he said that they were uh, miserable and wretched and poor and blind spiritually. That they were lukewarm. I, I mean, that church at Laodicea was pretty bad. And yet the church in Ephesus, you would look at it probably, I would look at it and say, well, you know, they could, they could probably improve in the area of their love for God. Maybe they need to be a little bit more passionate about that. But otherwise, man, that's a great church. And yet the church at Ephesus is the only one of the seven that the Lord said, if you don't repent, I'm going to remove your candlestick. If you know that the, the context of that, he's talking really about that they're going to cease to exist as a church. God's done with them if they don't repent of losing their love. And friend, I just want to say to you that it's very easy for us to get saved, to come to know Christ, and immediately just be kind of enamored and overwhelmed by God as we begin to realize who He is and what He's done for us. And and boy, we love God, and we love to worship God, and we love to study His Word, and, and we love to pray, but as time goes on, we just kind of, it just begins to fade a little bit. It just begins to kind of make its way into the background. And other things tend to become more important to us. And we spend our time pursuing after the things of the world. We, we pour ourselves into our careers. We, we invest in our families. We do all of these things that in and of themselves are not wrong. But when they get in the way of our love for God those things have now become idols. And so, Jesus here, as he's talking to his disciples and their need to abide in him, he says, basically, you need to keep yourself in a close relationship with me. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And then he says in verse number 10, if ye keep my commandments... Ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Look at verse number 14, if you would. He says here, ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. So in the context of abiding in Christ, we see that abiding is a matter of fellowship and relationship. We also see, though, that abiding is a matter of obedience. It's a matter of obedience. Are we committed to living in obedience to God and doing the things that He has called us and commanded us to do? Sometimes we are good excuse makers as to why we can't obey God in this area or that area. We sang the song uh, at the beginning of the service today trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And, and there are a lot of people, I think, that we, we can convince ourselves that everything is okay between us and God because, you know, we, we try to avoid sinful habits. And we make it a priority to be in God's house. I'm thankful that you're in church this morning. I think you ought to be here I, I don't think there's any other place you ought to be than in the Lord's house, worshiping Him on the Lord's day. That's that's what we're, we're we're to do, and I know that you've made that a priority. That's why you're here. But sometimes we think, well, you know, I don't I don't go out and 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 act like the world, and and I'm not into all of these sinful things that are displeasing to the Lord. And and, and you know, I go to church, and 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 maybe you say, well, I tithe and I give of my money to the Lord, and and so He must be pleased with me, but but have we ever really stopped to consider, he says, if ye keep my commandments. What all what things did Jesus command? Well, again, the first thing he commanded was to love God. The second thing he commanded was to love one another, to love our neighbors. Uh, he said in verse number uh, 17, we didn't read this, but he said, these things I command you that ye love one another. And so, it, it, again, it comes back to an issue of our love. It comes back to an issue of our obedience. Are we willing to follow the Lord? Are we willing to make this book, His Word, the authority in our life? Are you surrendered to it? Are you living consistent with God's Word? I want you to hold your place here in John 15, but go over toward the end of the New Testament to the book of First John 1 John, the epistle of 1 John, chapter number 2. 1 John 2. And in 1 John 2, look with me at verse number 3. It says, And hereby we do know that we know him... If we keep his commandments, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. And so here the Bible tells us that one of the greatest evidences of true, genuine salvation conversion in our lives... Is that we obey God. That may sound simple, but when you woke up this morning, who was the authority? Who was the Lord of your life? The decisions that you've made so far today, we're not even at noon yet. I know, just in case you're watching the time. We're not there yet. The the, the decisions that you've made today, have they been because that's what God has led you to do? Or have they been because that's just what you felt like doing? How about looking back over the past week? Who was Lord? Who was Master? Who was the authority? To abide in Christ is to live a life of obedience to Him. And by the way, if you're going to live a life of obedience to Him, you have to know His will. Lord, what do you want from me? Well, his will is revealed in his word. How well do you know his word? Are you walking in in fellowship with God and praying and and saying, Lord, lead me by your spirit. Give me wisdom to make the decisions that are pleasing in your sight. Jesus said, if you want to abide in me, you need to love me, walk, continue in my love, but you also need to obey me. You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Go over to chapter 5. We're in 1 John chapter 5. And look at verse 2. It says, by this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And then notice this, and his commandments are not grievous. What does that mean? Not only will you obey God, but you'll enjoy obeying God. How many of you, I I want honesty here today. This is Baptist confession time, okay? We don't have a little booth. We do things out in the open, all right? How many of you have ever obeyed God begrudgingly? Man, I have. The number of times that I have maybe given some money to the Lord, but I really didn't want to. Or the number of times that I felt like the Lord would have me to to witness to someone. And I did, but boy, I didn't want to. Or, has there ever been a time you got up on Sunday morning and didn't feel like going to church, but you went anyway? I hope you did go anyway. But you kind of sat there feeling like, man, I can't wait till this is over, huh? Sometimes we obey God begrudgingly, but listen, if we really love God, if, if that's the case... If it's, a, if it's a grief to us to have to obey God, that's probably an indicator that something's not right in our love. We're not really walking in fellowship with Him. We're not really... See, here, here's the thing. God wants us to enjoy Him. That may sound a little bit out there, but, but I want you to think God wants us to enjoy Him. We we ought to it ought to be a blessing to know the Lord, to walk with God, to obey the Lord. I, I know that when this life is over and we go to be with the Lord and we are in his presence, we will understand things, we'll have a perspective on things that we don't have here in this life. One thing I am absolutely convinced of is that we're going to get to heaven, and number one, we're gonna regret opportunities that we've missed. To serve the Lord. But I think we're also going to question. Why did I not want to do that? I mean. Knowing the God that I know. How could I ever think that something else would be better? Listen. I have. And this is. This is. Again. My confession time. I've driven past the golf course on Sunday morning. And seen all the people out there golfing. And thought. Boy wouldn't it be kind of nice. To not have all the obligations. You know. Uh, and, and the busyness of life. Or you see beautiful 70 degree day. And, you know people are getting the boats out on the lake. And you're thinking man. But wait a second. When things are really right in my relationship with God. I say this sincerely. Not because I'm a pastor. Or not because I'm obligated. Sincerely. I would rather be here than on a golf course, or out on a lake, or at a football game. All those things I enjoy, I like doing them, but but I want to be where the Lord is. I want to be where, where, where He has called me to be. I want to serve Him in the way that He's called me to serve Him. This is just normal and natural. If we love God, we'll want to serve God. And if we don't want to serve God, something's not right, friend. Something is not right in the heart. And so... Abiding in Christ, it's a matter of fellowship and relationship. It's a matter of obedience. But if you'll go back with me to John 15. I want you to notice that the outcome of this is if you abide in Christ and if, if you walk in his love. And if you walk uh, in, in obedience to the Lord. That it actually results in great joy. Look what he says in verse 11. Of John 15 he said these things have I spoken unto you that and that word that that's a significant word it, it means literally for this purpose I have spoken these things to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full I think sometimes people have the idea that God is out to steal our joy They look at Christians and Christianity and they think, boy, you know, look at all the lists of things that God tells you not to do. Where's the fun in that? Jesus said, these things I've spoken that your joy might be full. I I, I actually want you to abide in me because that's where true joy can come from. To know me and to to walk in me and to have uh, uh, my will fulfilled in your life. God is for us. He he wants us to have joy. What did Jesus say in John 10 and verse 10? I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He wants for you to have a good, joyful life. Now I want you to notice something about this. Verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. Remember, abiding in Christ, it means that it's not the things that are coming out of us, the the fruit that's being produced out of us, it's not ours. It's not of us. It's His. And what He says is the joy that He wants us to have, that's not our joy. He's not saying, "I, I want you to just be happy. So I'm going to provide you with all these circumstances and blessings so that you can be happy in those things. Here's what he's saying. I want you to have fullness of joy, and so I want my joy to remain in you. Now that, I want to tell you, the joy that comes from Christ, the joy that is his, is so much better than anything this world could ever offer us. It's better than anything we could find. You you think of the thing that makes you the happiest in life. And and I don't know what that might be. I know for me, one of the, one of my greatest joys in life, honestly, is is coming home to my family at the end of a long day, opening in the, opening the door and having my daughter Cherith come running up at full speed into my legs to wrap her arms around me and tell me she missed me, or or Judah coming up and, and running up to me and giving me a hug and telling me, Dad, you're my best friend, you know, or uh, or or Philip, our our, our little. One-year-old, you know, and just the way that he gets excited and starts giggling when I walk through the door. My boys sitting down and talking to them about their day. Being greeted by my wife. I just, I love my family. I'm thankful for those blessings that God has put in my life. But all the joy and the happiness that comes as a result of those things is nothing compared to this, Christ's joy in me. He said, I want want my joy to abide in you, and that joy is only going to be there as you're abiding in me. Just like the the branch gets its nutrients not from itself, but from the vine, in the same way I don't get my happiness and my joy. I don't wake up in the morning and just kind of splash some cold water on my face and pump myself up and say, okay, you're going to be happy today. No, I'm to abide in him and let his joy remain in me this passage that we find ourselves in is actually in the midst of um, a, a kind of a lesson i guess we could say it's a, a it's a monologue by jesus as he's speaking to his disciples about returning to the father in heaven and it covers three chapters uh, john chapter 14 15 and 16 and in so so all of those chapters flow one into the other right well Go back to the previous chapter, verse, uh, chapter 14 and verse 27. Look what he says here. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So in chapter 14, he says, I want you to have my peace. In chapter 15, he says, I want you to have my joy. He also says, I want you to have my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Now, as we talk about those things. Does that ring a bell to you at all about anything later on in the New Testament? Love and joy and peace. Those are the first three things mentioned in Galatians 5, referring to the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance. All those things that are the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus says, I want you to have these things, and these things come from me. They're not. It's not your peace. It's not the world's peace. It's my peace. It's not your joy. It's not the world's joy, it's my joy. It's not your love or the kind of love that you see demonstrated around you. It is the love of God in you and through you. I want to do these things for you and in you, but the only way that you can have them is to abide in me. Because it's not yours and it's not mine, it's his. It's his. And so as we kind of try to wrap our mind around some of these things today and and, and, and in this early part of the year, this issue of abiding in Him, I just want to say to you, first of all, that if we can get a hold of this, I think we'll find a peace and joy and contentment that we've never experienced before. God doesn't want us to walk around gloomy and unhappy all the time. You know, so, sometimes, sometimes we can... Um, I've, I've even joked with people about, you know, being in church and, and singing about the joy of the Lord. You know, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And their faces like this, you know, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. No, is it real? Is it real? Listen, God wants us to be joyful. The, Nehemiah said that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's our strength. God wants us to have joy. He wants us to have peace. He wants us to walk in love. Love for Him and love for others that can only come from Him. And so I just want to ask, are you you abiding today? Are you abiding in Him? Are you walking in His love? Are you walking in obedience to Him? Do you have His joy and peace in your life? And if the answer is no, then there needs to be some inquiry done. What is it? There are two possibilities. One is for those who've never been saved, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not in Christ. So you can't abide in Christ. These things aren't available to you because you're not His yet. And and the, what, what you would need to do is come to Christ and be saved. And friend, I just want to tell you I'm not trying in any way to be unkind to you. But if you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, nothing else matters in your life until you get that settled. Seriously, that is the greatest need of your life, to have your sins forgiven, to enter into a restored relationship with God, to know that you're on your way to heaven to be with Him. Get that settled with Him. Don't let anything stand in your way. Nothing. Get that settled with the Lord. I think though I'm probably talking to a lot of people who are in Christ. But maybe not abiding. Maybe not really walking in fellowship. Walking in obedience. Immersing yourself in his love. Uh, And I just want to encourage you. it's, It's not worth it to try to live the Christian life alone. You don't have the strength, and neither do I. (laughs) We'll fail every time. But if we'll abide in him, and he in us, what did he say? The same bringeth forth much fruit, much fruit. Because it's not us, but him through us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.